Welcome to A Magical World with me, Sterling Moon. I am a medium, diviner, folk magician, and educator on the mystical and strange with a background in advocacy and activism. Join me as we explore weird and wonderful aspects of our world and highlight inspiring people who are making this world a more magical place to be. I am so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Well, hello, everyone. I am back after a much needed month off. I got to do some fun traveling, been getting time, getting lots of time out in my garden, playing with plants, getting my hands dirty, uh, getting to hang out with my kiddo who's all done with school and enjoying working with my Prophecy Posse students. I yeah, I don't know about y'all, but I I hope you are having a wonderful kickoff to your summer. Um, happy Pride to everyone. I'm recording this on June 1st. This episode will be dropping on June 3rd in celebration of our beautiful full moon, which I think is called the Strawberry Moon. I know it's in Sagittarius, but again, happy full moon day if you're listening to this on the day this comes out. And yeah, I just hope that you all are having a, a wonderful start to your summer and a wonderful start to your pride month. So I am not going to yammer on too much today because I want to get to the interview with the wonderful Marcella Kroll. This was, I, I've had the, I've been blessed to know Marcella for years now. And I just, she's one of my favorite people. And this was just such a fun conversation. And we cover a lot of ground. I always know it's going to be a good conversation when I start off before I hit record with saying, can we get weird? And can we talk about this, that, or the other? And when the answer is yes, I know it's always going to be a good time. So a couple of things, Marcella and I talked a couple of times during the interview about something called INATS. It is a a trade show. It's a metaphysical new age publishing trade show. And I will be doing, um, she will be there and I will also be there doing a book signing. So I'm going to be there on Friday. Um, let's see, Friday, June 9th at 2 p.m. I'll be signing books from 2 to 3. I will have the website with which has the schedule and all that information. It will be linked in the show notes. And so you can also find out when Marcella will be there as well. And, um, you know, things can always fall through, but I'm going to, I'm going to go out and say that this is happening just because if anybody wants to listen, this is a, a live show opportunity. I am, I was so excited to get invited to be a guest on Coast to Coast, which some of you, if you are not familiar with Coast to Coast, uh, it is like the original weird late night, um, late night paranormal themed radio show. I can't tell you how many like late night car rides I have taken listening to George Norrie and Art Bell (laughs) on on Coast to Coast. Um, I will be, I can't remember the person that is doing my interview is Lisa Gar, and I am scheduled to go on on uh, June 12th. It's going to be midnight to 2 a.m. Pacific. So for me in Colorado, it'll be one in the morning to three in the morning mountain time. I'm assuming that you can probably find this after the fact if you don't feel like, you know, listening in live in the middle of the night. Hopefully I'm going to be coherent. I am not exactly a night owl, but I'm really excited because Coast to Coast is like the iconic radio show of weird. So I was kind of freaking out when I got the invitation and I would love it if you were able to listen. All right. 
Let's see. I think we're going to start stop there and make sure that if you aren't already subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do so. I am uh, June's, uh, the second June interview. This interview is fantastic. The, the second June interview is going to be super fun. And you may even end up getting a little mini episode in between because I want to share some stories from a spooky vacation that I went on. It'll all make sense when you hear the second interview that is planned in June, and it will likely give some context for some of what I'll be talking about with that guest. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this conversation with the one and freaking only Marcella Kroll. All right, be good to yourselves and be good to one another. Take care. Well, hello, Marcella Kroll. Hi, I am so happy to have you here. I yeah, I just, you're one of my favorite people and getting to share a conversation with you with, with others is like such a little spot of joy. It made me so happy that this is how I got to spend a good chunk of my day. And there go, my do- there go my dogs barking. So I, for folks who are listening, you know, the reason that my animals are on my podcast logo is because sometimes you will hear them. My <laughs> Speaking of animals, do we have Lord scuttling around today? No, she's like hanging out in her hammock. I think she's gravid again, which in reptile language means she's pregnant. (laughs) So she's looking extra plump and she's just been real slow the last like few days. So I think she's about to lay some eggs. Oh, bless her heart. So for for folks who now we're going to start with the usual thing that you're used to hearing, which is me talking about the, the talking about, you know, our guest for today and how much I love them. But we're going to pause that for a second to talk a little bit about, about Lord, who is Marcella's bearded dragon, because when you say she's pregnant, it's like immaculate conception pregnant. Yeah. Like this poor girl is like she has like the eggs, like the non-fertile eggs, like all the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, that it happens sometimes they don't need a mate they're not fertilized so they won't be little baby dragons but um apparently yeah bearded dragons can lay infertile eggs usually it's inspired because there's another dragon around or like there isn't here so she's just very fertile um and it can be a little bit stressful I initially got her because I thought she was a boy and because I didn't want to deal with it. And then about eight months old, uh, the vet was like, yeah, I'm pretty certain that they are a girl. So it's a trip. It's been a, a real learning curve. And she's taught me so much. Like, I don't see her just as like my pet. She's my familiar. And, um, you know, we know the powers of her specialness. I mean, she go. she's gone to you in dreams, which is hilarious. Yes. I tell everyone that story about her visiting you asking for pizza. And, and what did, what does pizza mean? And Right. And you were like, I have no idea what this means. I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, no, I know it exactly what it means. So Lord has a varied diet and a few different types of insects that she eats. And one of them, particular giant mealworms I call her pizza worms because they have (laughs) about the nutritional value of pizza so when you said she was asking for pizza I was really not surprised and also like how hilarious she's traveling through the dream time to find a medium that knows me to tell me that she wants more of these particular things and she she gets what she wants she does get what she wants and she was on a diet at that point I remember 
That's right. Which, um, oh my gosh, it is so funny. And one of the things, yeah, you were, okay, so now I'm having a memory because you were one of the first people that I had met. So of course, yes, this is going to be another story that starts, like has its origins in ritual craft. I met you because you are also like part of the ritual craft, like family and you'll be, and Marcella will be coming uh, to Colorado in a few weeks for folks who are local or next week. That's next week. Pretty soon. Yeah. The ninth. Oh, the 9th. Okay. That weekend. That weekend. Yeah. That weekend. Okay. Um, but so I had, you know, encountered this woman who I'm like, wow, she's really cool. She does such amazing stuff. And then I started having dreams about this person and like, and then I ended up connecting with you through Instagram. And I think it took me probably a year to be like, Hey, this is going to be weird, but I think we hung out in like a dream space. And you're like, Oh yeah, I do that. That that's not uncommon. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So then it graduated to getting to hang out with Lord and deliver. I, I basically try to be like, I don't know, astral DoorDash or something like that. Well, and I think, it was also through the connection between your tort tortoise. Yeah, it? Russian yeah. tortoise, Moxie. Yeah. Moxie, because I was having dreams about Lord breaking out of her tank on a tortoise's back. And, <laughs> and it was like, so there was like this weird crossover connection. And, and it was like her way of telling me she wanted like more space. But it was definitely like her and Moxie like meeting up. That's right. Yeah, there is something special about being like a reptile, like, I don't know, parent or like caretaker, because I had the opposite experience with Moxie, where I thought Moxie was a girl, and I was like, all in for this. And um, let's just say tortoises will really make it known what their gender is at a certain uh -huh. point. And so um, Roxy has a, or Moxie has a very special rock in his enclosure that is his romantic friend and I was like okay well apparently we know uh what's going on with you but um oh gosh that's funny so back to our usual our regularly scheduled programming but this is also what's fun about these conversations as they just kind of have a life of their own so I don't, you do so, you do and you are so much and it's almost hard to like, like you're almost indefinable. You're so freaking cool, but I will <sighs> say you are an incredible seer and you're a well-rounded seer. I mean, you work with cards, you create cards, you're an unbelievable artist. You have those mediumistic gifts, although I know you use them kind of in different ways, but, um, yeah, I mean, Marcella is an incredible, like, do you call yourself like psychic or like, what is your kind of uncomfortable? I, I say I'm a, I say I'm a medium now. I was really kind of not comfortable with it for a oh, long really? time, but I, I say I'm a medium now. I just say I'm not like a Teresa Caputo who I like adore, I think is cool. But, <laughs> and, or even like a medium, like your mediumship always blows me away. Like I, I can tune in and tap in, but I'm not going to be like, Grandma Ethel is here. You Grandma know? Ethel is here. You know? Well, and it's funny, one of my a story that's a big hit in my book, Talking to Spirits, a Modern Medium's Practical Advice for Spirit Communication. I share a story about connecting with an ancestor. And it, the story is called Discovering Darda. And I talk about getting a reading from a very talented medium and tarot reader. And so for folks who've read that story and have reached out and told me they enjoyed it, this is the person who gave me that, who helped me connect with that ancestor, who still is very mouthy and, and likes yeah. to likes to get involved. 
I feel like I get a lot of ancestors, especially not just like more recently, you know, even ones in your immediate that you are have may have met. It's like I get a lot of really like like ancient ancestors or like ties to people who are deeply connected to you, but maybe a little further removed than you know, you know. So it's always a little bit um interesting when those when they make themselves known, especially it's more like through food and connection and like ritual, like they share more than like being like, my name is blah, 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 you know? And I get a kind of sense of their personality a lot of the time when it comes to mediumship, it's more of like, I get a vibe, like what kind of energy they possess versus their, them telling me their name. Um, and I think maybe that's why I resisted calling myself a medium for so long. Cause I didn't feel like I was doing that because I couldn't tell you like their exact name or sometimes exactly who they were. Um, like, but it's getting a little bit more clear now. I asked for more clarity too from them, whereas before I didn't. So learning that I can ask for more information has been quite helpful. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And starting to, well, I have so many thoughts. It's also, I think that that you know, if you believe that our souls are more than the skin that we wear in this life at a certain point, those like really might, I mean, in the big scheme of things, those minute details, like our name, I mean, those are our name and our identity is huge in this lifetime when you're in it, but does it matter as much if it's thousands of years down the road? And I love that you have that deep connection. Yeah. For me, you were able to say, you got to make these potatoes with this woman and you got to like, here's generally the area that she's from. And yeah, that was like a whole, and it was an important, that was an important thing for us to do for me to connect with this individual. Um, And I love that you call yourself a medium now that word is so loaded, but it's got, it's, it's it is loaded. And, and it's also, I think I got more okay with it when I found out like, you know, I, found my biological father like not that long ago only like four or five years ago and um finding out that his mother was a medium and that it runs in the family and and it was like and finding out her mother was institutionalized for it like I mean on top of I mean she was institutionalized for seeing things but also because she was in an interracial marriage and it was illegal And I was like, I need to like claim this because it's gotten my descendant, like my um, ancestors um, into trouble and I can still exist, even though it brings up a lot of fear sometimes for me. It's like, um, and, and I think that's also like, um, just like an ancestral trauma. Like it's like, that comes up, like being afraid to declare what you are. Yeah. uh, Because it, it could have gotten you like in major trouble in many ways. One of the things that's been really interesting is that I've tried to go back because my mom is gifted as well. I mean, like we all kind of have our different ways that we put it to use, but I'll ask her, like, how did it manifest in the family? Because she'll say that like other family members had this, like, I have really clear memories of like my granddaddy, he would, um, in the seventies, I mean, he was super into yoga, but he would like, and he would meditate for hours with his Bible. And my mom one time told me, she's like, he wasn't just meditating. He was like traveling. And so, you know, she didn't use the word astral travel, but that's basically what it was. But when I look back over family history, one, she says, my dad was really sensitive and addiction, you know, is what ultimately got left, took him from this world. He took himself out of this world. Um, but a lot of, a lot of our ancestors went 
deep into like religion, like far. And I wonder sometimes, I always tell my students when they're like, yeah, you know, I look for the people in my family who are like me, but they're all Catholic. And I'm like, well, here's the thing that might've been what was safe. You know, yes. and I think there are a lot of people though, who are sensitive who, you know, right. I mean, I feel well, like definitely that was definitely the route of like on my mother's side, the maternal yeah. side, especially the like, um, Italians, like they're, they were Gennara, like, uh, of, originally, you know, like, like yeah. a lot of folk, Italian folk, um, magic and wisdom, and then, you know, really dove deep into Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that had to do with survival um you know and uh, avoiding punishment also doing deeper further investigation I also on my mom's side they they don't really they don't claim it but through my own genetic testing but and also researching the family origins um you know are also it goes back even further there there's Coptic Egyptian uh roots and Amazigh and as uh, the Amazigh's also come from not just like the Tunisian like Algiers or Morocco, uh, Morocco, but like there, there's Amazigh's in Egypt as well. And, you know, um, so, and I have that lineage, you know, I mean, it's several generations back, but it's still there. And I think that, um, like they had to also like convert a lot of those things, you know, to fit into society, to not be punished, to not be persecuted, um, you know, and, even it's, it's kind of a shame. I think about it now. Um, my grandmother's sister, Margaret, mm-hmm. um, was my aunt. Margaret was super sensitive and psychic, but like nobody really talked about it. And she did the Malokia. And like, um, yeah. when I got old enough, like te- the way it worked on that side of the family was the eldest daughter was supposed to like inherit the, the ability to do it, like to, to be taught the tradition. Yeah. And my um great aunt it would have been and then it would have been her daughter no yeah her daughter and then me and what's funny is her daughter is actually my godmother in catholicism like when i was baptized her her daughters my godmother um and then it would have been me but carol my cousin she didn't want to do it and then i didn't even know until like my great uh my great aunt she was like dying she was like oh I just didn't think you would want to know and they have a tradition where they only do it they teach you on Christmas Eve essentially oh. it's very like the tradition at midnight on Christmas Eve you learn how to do it but she died and I never it like basically died with her I I never got to learn it and um even like exploring those regions and like learning like reaching out to people who teach, uh, you know, traditional, it's, people don't know, like, there's a difference, like, strega, stregaria, like, that's American, Janar mm-hmm. is, like, you know, the folk healers in Italy, but anyway, it, it's just been an interesting path to learn that I've had to learn all these different things, kind of, on my own, even if the people were around me, or even distant, like, I never got to learn through their wisdom, through their words. And now as I'm getting older, I'm finding them or reconnecting. Um, But I also think that's on purpose. I think there has to be a new way. And it's not that I can't be connected to these, but I can't be indoctrinated, I think, to one way of like presenting or, or crafting like my, my own abilities and magic. 
You know, and that's one of the things that's always really, you know, impressed me about you, but also made me wonder if it was a lonely path because you have always, the way that I've experienced you is that you have always been years, like, like years before things kind of like percolating in the collective, right? Like you were doing readings and deck creation and, and also figuring this shit out before it was easily and readily accessible. And so, you know, I've been, I've been reading since, you know, tarot since the nineties, but only been doing this work professionally since 2013. And I mean, you've been, you've been all in for a long time. And I also think I, I'm always amazed by how many people that I'll encounter doing the work but then when you really get into it, you know, if they're being honest, I'll often encounter people where they're like, yeah, I don't know if I like, there's a limit to, they'll share their limits of what they believe. And I feel like you've been, you've been pretty all in for longer than most. And because you've been all in longer than most, you've, you've had to figure it out your own, in your own way. And, so, and I don't know, I just, I wonder what that, has that been lonely? Beyond lonely, like yeah. to the point where. I'm feeling like emotional. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, like ever, I mean, it's been lonely. I feel like I've been lonely since birth and like, mm -hmm. it's just been part of the path is like, I've always seen things or had things present themselves to me. And like, you know, you kind of get mocked or gaslit a lot. Totally. Like, and, and um, even that word's kind of new to me, even though it like has happened to me most of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, particularly around this stuff. And I mean, I mean, I remember being a little girl and saying, Grandpa Eddie's in the basement. And my mom's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but like, that's my mother, you know? Yeah. And I, I didn't know what that meant. Like, you know, I didn't know that he died when she was three. Totally. I just thought this person's talking to me. Uh -huh. And then, you know, I had to like numb myself out with drugs and alcohol for many years. And um, you know, to have people not believe you to constantly feel like, you know, and you know, you turn inward a lot mm -hmm. and not just like having to learn how to do this stuff on my own, but in like the, the spiritual aspect, but also like the physical world, like mm -hmm. how to make this a business, like the, <laughs> on so many levels, like the, 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 the ropes and the hoops I had to jump through because no one had a business with it. Like I have been reading since, you know, basically 1995 when I overdosed and I went to rehab and I started teaching myself how to read yeah. uh, and learning about astrology, mostly selfishly, self-obsessed, you know, absorbed. I just want to know why I was the way I am. I, I the way I am. Yeah. It wasn't anything to do with helping people. It was like, why am I like this? Yeah. I'm like maybe yeah. I can like figure it out like by yeah. looking at stuff and it and then um I went full time I you know I started reading like I would read periodically over the years and then um in New York I moved to New York in 2003 from Rhode Island mm -hmm. and I was like I had like multiple jobs which was really funny I you know I worked at a buy sell trade place that still exists Beacon's Closet so I was a buyer and then on the weekends, I worked uh, stage managing at a burlesque club. Mm -hmm. So I staged burlesque shows. And I was always connected to performance stuff and art, but like in the acceptable way, which was like, you know, you 
connect to bands or stripping. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, and that was fun for me. I loved circus people. You know, I was always like too, like just no confidence though. I had no confidence to really fully perform. Like even when I performed like in a variety show, I performed behind a screen. So, which is always interesting, but um, I started doing readings like, and reluctantly, and like, I would start getting referred to all these like East side ladies, like Upper East Side, New York, Manhattan. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. (laughs) And then I moved to LA and I got like a job and I moved on a whim, by the way. Like I didn't move because I wanted to do something or be someone. I just needed a change. And I, so I like impulsively moved on an airplane to LA. And I didn't know anyone. I knew like a couple, but they lived like in the South Bay. Anyway, I started, I got like a year from being here. I like in Southern California, I got fired and I had nothing. And all I could do was do readings. Yeah. And then it just snowballed. And then I would work like little jobs. I worked in a cafe. You know, I was a barista. I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like the salty waitress though. Like I'm not, you know. So I would do do the barista work, cafe work, and then I would do readings at night anywhere I could because I needed money. And I never imagined that it would be like my work. And then suddenly it was becoming my work. And totally. then it turned into, I got a job at a metaphysical bookstore. Again, on a whim. I was like, oh, I'll try it. And, um, and then I was like, oh, this is all I can do. So then you start having to learn the business end, especially in California, because you're like, oh, I'm an independent contractor. I have to pay taxes. I have to get a license. I have to, oh yeah. Like you have to have like, um, like a business tax certificate, like all these things that I had no idea. And I got really lucky because I was like getting this huge fine and I was like, what the fuck? I went down to city hall and I luckily got this woman who was like, okay, look, and explained (laughs) it to me. And like, weird shit that like nobody could talk to me about like if I wasn't an accountant I wasn't like I was like what do I file my fucking taxes as what do I do and because even though like some people are like well don't bother you know whatever I'm like you don't I get in trouble like I don't do stuff I get in fucking trouble I have Saturn and Leo opposing my ascendant I'm like the moment I try to fuck around I am like boom you find out (laughs) yeah exactly like I have to be a like at least I have to be in some kind of ethical place, not just like in theory, you mm-hmm. know? Like, and it's challenged me even with my work too, because like, I couldn't like be like, my, I think it's also weird. Like, it's like the opposite of my mom. My mom's such a scammer. And uh-huh. like, I had to learn really quickly, like how to not be a scammer Yeah, and do things above board or else there's repercussions. Mm-hmm. And so in 2009, I filed bankruptcy and I went full time and everyone was like, you are nuts. You're filing bankruptcy. You need a job. You need this. You need that. And, and uh, I didn't. I, I was like, this is my job, apparently. And really reluctantly, again, I still didn't believe that this was going to be my work, you oh. know, and over the years, then I, I've always been an artist. I always thought I would live, die an artist, yeah. but I was able to bridge those worlds together by making my first deck and even that, like everything's been kind of in denial, I would say until 20, 2014 is when I started being What happened denial. in 2014? Um, my first deck came out. And, and that's my, Sacred Symbols, right? Sacred Symbols, the first edition. Yeah. So and good. 
so good. And then my adopted dad was killed and I had to deal with that. And I went through a breakup and it was just like everything flipped on its head and created this like new reality. And then also that was like weirdly when my social media, like just 2014, 2015, like all of a sudden my social media was like a thing. Like, and I mean, I, my original like experience with it, like just, it was, I just liked it because I'm more introverted than extroverted, even though people don't believe it, like, but it was a place where I could just post random readings and things. And like, this was before it was a thing. Mm-hmm. and it naturally grew and I just started meeting all these people and it's just been a really wild journey but it has been lonely because a lot of times I will do things and people question like why and I'm like I don't know any other way like totally. um and it's terrifying and most of the time I don't have support because people can't see it yeah um and also I have things that come up and people will kind of not believe me. Mm-hmm. They don't believe until it happens to them. Uh-huh. And I feel like that's sometimes like the, that's where the crux is. It's like, sometimes you kind of like see, I, I don't know. I sometimes feel like that's where you see where people's authenticity truly is, is when you have the no, like when you like, again, that full throated living this still being grounded in the here and now, but being all in, it's hard when you're like in the community that should understand. And yet you still kind of like bump into that gaslighting. It's oh. a, it's a hard thing. It's a hard, well, hard thing. It's, it is. And it's like, it's also like, I don't fit into a particular box that, uh-huh. and that, fucks with people they get very confused and they almost get offended you know like I'm a multiracial autistic fucking medium I'm a weirdo <laughs> like and they're just like oh you're this you're that we can do this with you we can do that with you and it it just like doesn't work and in oh. and also like with LA like being very I was talking about this yesterday like I was doing like you know things were on the climb things were you know lots of opportunities seemed promising lots of empty promises And then I did something that I did not realize would affect my work or my career, but I, I got sober in 2016. And then after a year, when I got a year sober, I cut all my hair off, Mm -hmm. which seems like not a big deal, but guess what dried up all of people's ability to relate to me as credible. I wasn't getting booked for jobs because I didn't look like a fucking witch anymore. You know, like weird, the weirdest, it was like the fucking strangest thing. It was so ostracizing because suddenly people weren't taking me as being a professional in my work because I didn't look the part. Is that something that you think is very unique to LA or is that something that is more like more global? Well, I thought at first I thought it was LA, but no, Uh it became global. I think because of the internet, you know, we have these visions or ideas, we see things more quickly, but, but it forced me to reevaluate. Like, I didn't know this at the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know what was happening. And then it felt like I was just focused on the cards and I did have private clients that wasn't like not booked, but all of a sudden people's interest wasn't there anymore. You know, and even to this day, like people will, I have like multiple decks and I have all these things. And, um, I get, I get excluded a lot 
and I'm not saying this in a poor me kind of way. I just, I think like, I've seen articles come out about like uh, independent female decks creators and I'm never included. And I crack up because I'm just like, all right. So I, I'm constantly being shown that I have to continue to create a new path Mm -hmm. and I can't rely. I mean, I, I, I am blessed to have like some amazing people like you and ritual craft and like people I've met, but I also have to really know that like, I can't rely on stability through a community that your path um, is one that you forge yourself for whatever reason. Yeah. And I think there's, that's also on purpose. Like, I don't think it's, you know, even with what I'm working on now, like, um, I'm excited to see you at INATS. Which yeah. is oh, I didn't. Okay. So for folks who, I don't even remember what, I'll be honest, I'm terrible. I don't even remember what INATS stands for, but I had, cause I had never heard of it prior to publishing. <laughs> International New Age Trade Show. Trade Show. That's what it is. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, it's kind of like a big deal in like the pu- like metaphysical publishing world. It sounds like, I yes. think you and I may be like two ships passing in the night I am going to be doing a book signing there on Friday. So that's the oh. 9th at 2 p.m. But then I'm coming back. Are you doing the dinner? Like the, is it cover C-O-V-R? There's like an awards dinner. I thing? have no idea. All I know is on that Saturday, on the mm-hmm. 10th, I'm going to be there at like 11. I'm going to do deck signings and do mini readings. Like I'll be there for a couple of, like, you know, that's the only thing that I know of that I'll be there for, but I'll be hanging out Saturday, essentially. Hopefully I'll get Uh. to see you there, but yeah, that's a whole other, like kind of like the, the publishing world, like that whole, like, like what it like industry things. I'm like, Oh, that's a whole other world and community of itself. (laughs) Right. I mean, especially after doing a lot of this stuff, on your own. And like, for me, I've been on my own. And so now I'm just starting to see after nine years of self-publishing, like how people are seeing me more as like visible, more visibly, you know, visibly, um, which is interesting. So I want to talk a little bit about your new deck. I mean, you've had two of your self-published decks that have been re-released and, but first of all, I mean, I have to say that you were very, very kind and shared with me some invaluable tips about self-publishing a deck. My, my mother and I are creating a, it's like a psychic, it's like a mediumship and psychic development tool. It's going to be freaking awesome, but it had to be put on hold because I changed careers. And then my, uh, Llewellyn, who was my publisher, they asked if they could, if I could give them the books, like many months sooner than I was expected to. And I was like, well, something has to give. But (laughs) holy cow, getting into the weeds of what it actually entails to self-publish and and working with the lovely individual that you you connected me with. Holy cow, so nice. But I have been blown away by like how long you did this. And yeah. And you were doing this completely with no knowledge, like no, no, very no kind person saying here's who to call or who here's who to email. And how has it felt like, you know, going from doing it all yourself to then having this like kind of new glow up with these decks that you've had in, that you brought into existence on your own? How's that felt? Well, I'll say it too. Self-publishing is like, it's such a labor of love because not only was I seeing clients privately, (laughs) I was also like my own like creator and distributor. And I was doing all of my 
like for, for many years, I was doing all of my distribution as well. So that was nuts. So it was like every, I lived in a tiny place and be product everywhere, but it was nuts. And like, you know, spending my own money, uh, and, and like having to inspect things and, and losing money by just trial and error. And, um, it was rough, but it was also like liberating. Cause it was like, I, I from, beginning to end, it was all me, you know, there was no totally. middle person, but it also limited my capabilities. Cause I am one person. Yeah. And, you know, it's been a whole journey. I, I was, I signed with an agent, um, the year before the end of 2021, I signed with an agent and, um, who I love, uh, and I'm with, um, Stamola literary agency now. And my agent, like had been following my work and like, it just felt really natural. And, and like, it's taught me a lot to like trust working with other people as well, which I'm not used to like having actual support. And within a month of signing with them, she had me in pitch meetings and, you know, it's been a really incredible experience because they were able to like, there was a couple of people like pit, like wanting to work with me. And I ultimately went with Union Square and Co. Uh, and Co. Because they wanted to give me a home. Yeah. There. And so, not only like are we re-releasing my decks and giving them this rebirth and and like almost like a glow up, like an upgrade. Yeah. Um, we are. Uh, I'm doing a book with them as well. And Yay. this the book feels so important to me. Like in. Um, I'm actually like a little sad. It's not coming out sooner. It's not coming out till fall 2024, but, um, I understand the process. It's a process. And that's the hardest part for me is like waiting. Cause sometimes I do something and I'm like, I just want to get out there. I want to get it out into the world. I want to birth it already. So that's been a little bit intense. Also being in front of an audience that isn't necessarily my audience like I'm being exposed to all of these new people and I'm so sensitive you know so people can be kind of cruel or not get it I think there is this buffer element though which is helping me I am learning to try to like not take it personally if someone doesn't get it I think I'm always amazed how there can be people like I've been meeting some amazing people and like new eyes that are getting to connect with my work and it's helping them on their journey. And like, if I can do that, then great. Um, but sometimes, you know, the people who don't get it, get very triggered or activated. I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess it's working. Um, I sometimes feel that with, so with, with promoting my book and also, holy shit, the, like the, the length of time, I had no idea how long it took to, and you, that you have to like, not be so precious. Like you have to know that if somebody doesn't like, you have to like be willing to go in the editing process and like, it's a whole trust fall is that that's a whole thing. But I've been, because of the nature of what my book is, I'm, I'm talking to both like folks that are in like different pockets of like both the new agey metaphysical world, but also like more the paranormal investigation kind of like that world. And it has been interesting just because sometimes mediums, I mean, we are easy to misunderstand and sometimes people just think we're full of shit, but it's been, it has been so, gosh, talk about vulnerability. 
like, and just yeah. having to know not, okay. So like I, I have to personally give myself a pep talk sometimes where I'm like, okay, Sterling, sometimes people just aren't going to like you. And sometimes, and, it, and it's, you still have to like yourself. You still got to believe in yourself. Even if, if you're not for everybody, that's okay. And um, boy, is that hard. <laughs> it's super, it is hard. Um, you know, I have to just keep reminding myself that it's like, if they're not, if it's not for them, it's not for them. And it's got nothing. You shouldn't care. Like, not that you shouldn't care about their, I think you should care about the quality of what you're doing, but I don't think you, when you know that you've been in your integrity and you know that you've been yeah. following, you know, like your spirit's path, like, like that's all you can do and know that you did, you know, you went, went about it the right way. So, so that definitely helps. And, you know, Rose Iconic just came out that one, you know, it's a mixed bag. Some people like really get it. And some people will get very, are already getting offended. Um, and I found that to be very interesting. I well, mean, and I'm curious, sorry to interrupt you. Like, what is the, like, what was the, I love that. I mean, I have the first edition and it is, it, I can't wait to get the, the, the new one. Cause it's so cute. First of all, like the, the new, I mean, I, I'm kind of partial to my third edition of sacred symbols because I love it so much. I will probably get the next edition when mine has like worn to pieces. Cause I've used yeah. it. So well, the fourth <laughs> edition of sacred symbols, the slight, there is slight changes in the structure yeah. of it but also there's a new card a replacement card so the divinity symbol has shifted and i had been planning on doing a fourth edition anyway because uh -huh. of this like the the original symbol for divinity divinity that's but, right yeah i i couldn't find like a, a trustworthy source imaging like you know history for it and i was like I, I used to like, I, I had a, a way to trace it, but then I couldn't track it anymore. And I was like, you know what? No, there needs to be a new symbol here something that, you know, and I, I, it has been replaced with the, the elven star or the fairy star it's called. It's um, so pretty. So that's in the fourth edition. And then the roast iconic um, initially came out um, as like, with very little fanfare like most people didn't even know I had this deck that came out like last December yeah. um, and um I did it because uh clients of mine had a tv show that was running and um the last season of it is called search party on HBO and their last season was all based on like the main character like becoming kind of a cult leader <laughs> like there was a tarot reader who was based on me one of the actors <laughs> and um like it was very fun. It was, you know, tongue in cheek, very funny. And they uh -huh. had, they commissioned me to make a couple of tongue in cheek cards that would be slipped into the deck, like, you know, kind of making fun of the person. Um, so, but I made the two cards and I was like, gosh, you know, I love a whole deck of these. Yeah. So the cards ended up not making it into the final cut of the show, but like, it still inspired this whole idea. So I made, um, and initially I made 22 cards. And then when I signed with Union Square and we looked at this one, I wanted to do an expanded version. So the new, what came out on May 9th is this roast iconic, um, you know, Oracle deck and there's 30 cards now. So there's 30 cards. There's actually like an expanded booklet and it's really just, I love the packaging, the way they made it like a tuck, um, magnetic box and it's super affordable. That's been the blessing of also like working with this publisher. When I was self-publishing, I had to really account for so many costs and like sometimes they can become pricey. And um, 
at this level, we're able to maximize because they are paying for the printing and be able to make it more available worldwide where I couldn't do that before and also bring the price point down. So that's been really fortunate um, to be able to do. But the side note is, you know, you're getting in front of people who might be offended, which I've already seen a couple of people get very offended um, by the brashness of the deck. And like, you know, they're like, I don't like this. It's not telling me what it means. And that's a point with a lot of the decks I create is, yes, there could be some keywords and there's like a general meaning, but like, it's the point is to find your own connection, not just rely on what the creator is telling you. Yeah, which you will are also going to be so for folks who are local, you're teaching an intro to like Oracle or like Oracle divination class, right? At Ritual Craft. I'm teaching. So on Friday, June 9th, I'm going to be at a place called For Heaven's Sake. Okay. I, and I'm going to be doing a free one hour presentation called Spiritual Fitness for Magical People. Ooh. It's a little, which I'm excited about. And then um, I'll be at INATS on that Saturday. And then on Sunday, the, um, the 11th, I will be at Ritual Craft teaching intro to Oracle divination. And you don't have to have experience or you could have experience and you just want a different, like wait, find different ways to connect with your decks and work with them. Um, that class is going to be 12 to two at Ritual Craft. And I do think there's like five, maybe a few spots left. So it's a limited Get seating. Get on it, people. Get on it. Dang. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we're going to close out with going weird. <laughs> we're going to go weird. Because I had asked Marcella if this was something we could talk about because I've been like, kind of like, well, one, I feel like I asked you about this in some way, shape or form every time I see you. Um, it's going to take us back a little bit to kind of like the loneliness, finding your own path and also having to kind of like, just know how to trust yourself, particularly in those early days. We're going to close out talking a little bit about, do you call them aliens? We are ETs. 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 So I'm going to start by just saying, you know, I've always been, I've always been a, a believer. I mean, I've grown up around in a lot of rural places. And it turns out if you live in a lot of rural places, you know, oftentimes there will be people who like to look up in the beautiful unfettered sky and we'll see things that don't necessarily like might not be be there. My mom has some good stories from when we lived in New Mexico. And again, this was like back pre-internet where all she could do was like tune into the radio to see if like anybody else had was like, you know, calling in and reporting these things. I have some old friends that had some stories, which, you know, again, there's, I've been thinking a lot about like growing up in Laramie, uh, Laramie, Wyoming, and knowing people who had some contactee experiences and really, I carry a lot of regret because I, I feel like I responded in kind of a shutting down way instead of cu the curiosity that I have now. And I mean, that's a regret that I will carry. And like one of the, the examples is we had a man named um, Pat McGuire, who he was like this local rancher in our community who he had, um, I'm probably at some point gonna like dig up some research and tell Pat's full story. But the short version is he was known around town as um, Pat the Can Man because he would walk around with a big backpack and he would get cans out of the trash and he would recycle them. And he was a really friendly guy and everybody would say, oh yeah, that's Pat. He was like, he had a huge piece of land and he claims the aliens like UFOs and aliens came down and they told him where to, they told him something to plant. And he was just, and oh, he's just, 
you know, off his rocker, but he's a nice guy. Come to find out years later, there's actually a lot more uh, documentation. And he worked with a professor at the University of Wyoming named Dr. Leo Sprinkle. There is, you can find clips of some of the sessions that Dr. Sprinkle did with, um, with Pat. And again, just like kind of unpacking these things and also just doing a shitload of reading. And then years ago, I remember I had was, I think I was driving you to a class you were teaching at Ritual Craft and you had shared that you were like kind of starting to, you were like kind of like tentative, like, so here's some of what I've been sharing and here's some of what I've been working through. And it was that yeah. you had, had kind of these like wonderful, I mean, some people's encounters are not good, but like, yeah. you know, they run the gamut. But for you, you had a friend when you were growing up who, yeah. and <laughs> do you feel comfortable sharing a little bit of that? Um, sure. I, um, you know, for people who are kind of just kind of getting familiar with the stuff, there are, you know, different, there's different language for yes. people. Very, a lot of people consider they're either experiencers or they call themselves abductees. Um, abductees tend to have not had great experiences yeah. or encounters. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say they were all great experiences. I had more great than scary ones um yeah. but I definitely have like uh I started working with Yvonne Smith who's a really well-known um basically a trauma hypnotist for experiencers and abductees mm -hmm. and um through like the hypnosis I started remembering things that kept um getting almost erased or blocked from my memory yeah um particularly from when I was a kid um, and when I was like really small, I, I have memories of like being on ships or having things kind of descend on me. And um, one of the encounters that I would have was there was a being, like a little being that I became friends with that I would travel with like nightly that I remembered. And um, it was almost like we would go play. Yeah. Until there was an uh, from my recall, I there was a moment where we got busted essentially, <laughs> and then these bigger, taller grays like brought me onto, you know, a vessel, a ship, and um, there was many rooms, almost like classrooms, and yeah. I would see like projections of things um in the air, like I was learning about them and about different systems. And, you know, they would get dismissed a lot as like being weird dreams, like from the older adults around me. Um, but I would wake up sometimes like in different random parts of the apartment, like after yeah. these experiences, like, yeah. um, and then, you know, there was other like rooms with like, I would see children or babies. Like I never saw adults. I would only see like kids and I knew it was some kind of school. And um, over the years, like it kind of, I fell into like a really deep depression around eight years old. And it was the first time, you know, I did not want to be here physically. Yeah. Being eight and not wanting to and felt really like I never, it was interesting because I couldn't remember why I was so sad. Mm -hmm. And then years later working with Yvonne, I was like, oh, that was like, they left. Yeah. And that's why, but I didn't have the information or the tools to know that that's what it was. Cause I was, was like, why do I have this like weird abandonment wound? 
I never knew my dad, my biological father. I had an adopted dad. I had like, you know, my mother's not the greatest, but that, you know, I had my grandmother. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't know why I had such a strong abandonment. Like it made sense. And then it made sense. I was like, oh, Oh. friends left. Um, And I would draw things. And like, and then it got to the point where um, one of the big things was like, I was really afraid of petrified of medical needles, like to the point where I would completely freak out. I would punch doctors, things like that. And it turned out in one of those recalls was like, they would inject me to like, make me forget what I saw yeah. because they were like, you're going to get us in trouble. You know, we don't want you to get in trouble or like people to yeah. lock you because there's a lot of that in your world, mm-hmm. you know? And then it's interesting to me that I also found out that like, you know, years later again, um, that I have a great grandmother who was like locked up for seeing things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then my biological father <laughs> through all of this, I meet him like four or five years ago, like I said, and he is an experiencer. Like I found out oh. he's those Pentagon papers that came out, like yeah, the disclosure. Um, he was on a freight, like a fre- freight carrier, like um going from japan to korea mm-hmm. and they had a unidentified submerged object a uso following them for two hours wow. so to have someone else like having an experience that i'm related to um and then finding out about other relatives it's very surreal but um i've been fortunate enough to be a part of Sira, which is the close encounters resource um or resource uh, organization and um which is Avon support group that's been around for 30 years so and they have their 30 year anniversary um there's a book a commemorative book coming out and I actually have an interview and some drawings I did that are going to be in there that's amazing. Um, it's been really incredible to meet other people and all walks of life and I think that's the other thing people kind of dismiss alien stuff they I I get it like there are some negative connotations with alien stuff like particularly around like people say like you know star seeds and eugenics and like racism and and I I totally I was gonna that's where I had some questions because I was like oh (laughs) I think that stuff is valid and it's true but I also think like you can't dismiss like aliens just because of that like there are many um, indigenous peoples um, on this land, but also in other places, like different yeah. tribes and stuff, like in Africa, that have deeply rooted connections to um, other star systems. Even in ancient Egypt, there's huge connections and um, documentation of Pleiadian, the Pleiades, and then Sirius, um, different tribes. Absolutely. Um, one of my favorite people that document like indigenous alien uh, contact is um, RD6 Killer Clark. She's got um, definitely a bunch of podcast interviews if you search their name, but, um, and books about star people contact, you know? So, you know, it's just like, I think there's more and more disclosure. I mean, disclosure, you hear about that all the time, um, but yeah, there's just so much to always be learning. And I do think that those contacts and remembering, it's like a process. It can be a bit traumatic. I think my last 
I don't know. I've had a couple of like encounters that have felt more, this is where I sound nuts um, to some people, but it's been more telepathic than visual three, like three-dimensional physical visitations. Although in 2014, actually, which was when things changed in a big way for me, I had a visitation in Hollywood. Like I was in bed in my sublet, like, and I like woke up kind of out of nowhere, but I was fully awake. Mm-hmm. I wasn't groggy. And this like little greenish orb like came flying through the window. And I was like, it's not a, there's no way a car's had like come up to that yeah. angle. And then it, it had like the flight pattern of a hummingbird and it flew in front of my face. And the moment I like ignored, like I, I really saw it, it dropped down yeah. into the floor and it, it just disappeared. Wow. And like, yeah, it was really intense. And um, it was pretty wild, you know, like, and I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to be more open about these things, even though people look at me cross-eyed or they kind of question. Well, you know? and I think that that's like one of the things that's interesting to me is that, you know, and I'm part of the, I've, I feel like I've been kind of siloed in, for lack of a better world, like kind of like the which I've been insulated safely in the witch world, right? Which, you know, folks aren't really talking about this. And I will say a big part of, I guess, figuring out what to do with like my own mediumship gifts and then studying and expanding and realizing, wow, like, it's not like these things are in these like little tidy buckets, right? And so I've been having so much fun, like kind of learning from people that talk about this stuff, like, especially, you know, people who are occultists, but also exist in the paranormal world. Like I love um, when you were talking about like the telepathic communication, I love like the work that like Greg and Dana Newkirk do, where a lot of what they do is these Estes sessions and these, you know, these spirit communication sessions where they're they're communicating with, I mean, they, I don't know some of all the terms, but like the ETs, the, the ultra terrestrials, all of these things. But then you, it's hard because you also have like the really like right wing conspiracy theorist yes. folks. And then you have kind of like the, you know, sometimes the, the, the stuff that's a little complicated and maybe a little problematic with like the starseed type stuff. And it's, and then there's a lot of like, again, derision in the middle. And I just feel like we're missing the boat of like, yeah why not be open to it all, especially when there is so many people. It's like, you know, when I worked in kind of the survivor advocacy, we talked with like, you know, education and prevention around like sexual violence in particular, like when you have a situation where it's not like, you know, this person said against this person, it's this person said, and there's they said, if you have like a whole shitload of people that are all saying the same thing, there might be something there might be something there and I get the problematic stuff like it's it's definitely an issue mm-hmm. you know but um and there's no denying that but I I think you can't throw baby out with the bathwater. you know like no. there's just so much to learn and um the book um the one that re- book that really introduced me to Artie Six Killer Clark was Space Age Indians and that yeah. is a book yeah that's a book of like interviews um with different indigenous people and also um you know Whitley Straber Whitley Straber who wrote communion that one a lot of people are familiar with because they get mm-hmm. and they also are like frightened by yeah um but also like you know there's just so many different people like the Dogon people of Mali believe they are directly connected to Sirius B 
and a lot of people don't you know are only familiar with like white military men when they're thinking of like alien stuff which i get you know but there's other people who are reputable out there like listen to yvonne smith's you know her talks and the pentagon stuff and um also another person that i really like to listen to in terms of you know they're big they do a lot of conspiracy theory stuff but jk ultra on tiktok or jen jennifer Mm -hmm. comedy she always shares a lot of really fascinating series on her um youtube channel Mm -hmm. and brings you the information in a very like unbiased and digestible way so you can form your own opinion but it's a nice way to receive the information without having like a lens on it that is you know not necessarily like you know because I've seen people talk about this stuff and they have an opinion and Mm -hmm. and it's okay to have an opinion but they try to say that they're not biased but then they're clearly biased so you know, I would say do your own research and connection. Um, I know Whitley just came out with another book called Them. Mm. Um, and that looks really interesting. Yeah, I have, I have it on Audible. That's what I wanted to check. So like Whitley Streeper. <laughs> it's like talking. Oh, and there's and there's the voice oh, and there it is. The opening credits. I know. <laughs> um, but Jen just did a, an interview with him and yeah. his experience on her youtube channel is really really fascinating you know um and this person is not like out to lunch it's very grounded information and um when i we were doing the serial meetings um online like globally like there are people from all walks of life you know and that was the most like reassuring thing you know was to feel like okay, I'm not making this up. I'm not losing my marbles. Yeah, um, It's still scary to talk about though, because, you know, it definitely is polarizing for people. Well, and a lot of people, I mean, I have sitting here in front of me, I've got some of the books that I ended up, um, oh, they were book recommendations on um, actually the New Kirks who I just mentioned, their, their podcast, the Haunted Objects pod. And it was The Interrupted Journey, um, that first book about the Benny and Barney Hill yes. experience. And I mean- looking at what, I mean, just looking at all the ways that you can get discounted. And I mean, it ruined Barney Hill's career. I mean, he had been somebody who was involved with the, you know, they were an interracial couple in the sixties. He was, you know, they were both incredibly involved in their community and the civil rights movement. Good, you know, just fine upstanding people. And it was interesting though. So, um, you know, Barney, Barney in particular, I feel like he kind of got discredited even more and, um, ridiculed even more and I don't think it's it's a coincidence that he you know was an African-American man at that point and um I mean still an African-American man you know what I mean that was that was where he was more the object of of scrutiny but you do have to be careful but at the same time I don't know it's just but again yet another freaking way that you're like walking all this stuff like by yourself (laughs) although I'm glad you aren't as alone as maybe you have felt in other areas at least there is a community and also you're kind of still alone talking about this stuff in kind of the spiritual community oh I have not there's been more folks that have been kind of voicing their opinions and it's been I've always kind of wondered what you think about that well, I mean, that's why, like, I'm really excited about this book that yeah. I've written that it it's, you know, I teach, um, I taught it a couple of years ago, Healing the Liminal. And um, I really, I the book is called Healing the Liminal. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's basically 
it's a lot of like a pathway for people like myself who feel like maybe they are um, a, like a very mixed bag of like, don't necessarily fit in. They live in the liminal, whether, you know, it's like physically, emotionally, structurally, I mean, all of those things, but um, there is a chapter on aliens and there is a lot of, the thing with the, the book too, is it's a lot of stories. There's a lot of, um, I wrote a lot of, I wrote a bunch of different parables, which are, I channeled through um, the lens of different ancestors or through different beings. And so there's going to be a, there's quite a mix of like personal stories, but then there's parables that are still personable stories, but you know, you figure it out kind of a thing. Yeah. I actually was really concerned about including uh et stuff in there but i was like you know what i gotta it's part of this journey and um and i was worried i actually like said to the editor it was like uh is it okay <laughs> like yeah. a little bit and they were like yes like actually love this love that you're including it so i, I was really really because i really thought it would be cut from the book um yeah. but they're keeping it so yay um, i i think it's more nuanced than we, you know, and, and people who are in the spiritual witchy community, like, come on, open your like mind and your heart to the idea of different possibilities, please. Or else you just become like the, the things that you're protesting against, you know, like I just, uh -huh. it's super frustrating to me and exhausting, but also I feel like this is part of, you know, the purpose of my path is to be kind of annoyingly different about certain things um I don't think I'm special by no means I do think that if I exist then there's gonna be other people that are in the same kind of conundrum so here we are here we are <laughs> I know I always like my big thing lately is I'm like you believe in ghosts why can't we believe in why can't we like be open to Bigfoot why can't we be open to time slips why can't we be open to different dimensions why can't we be open to the fact that maybe we aren't just like floating alone on this rock I mean it's so much more I mean one the more you do this stuff and the more you explore I feel like the more questions you should have I feel like it's a should be a warning bell if you start to think that you've got everything figured out and yeah. also it just makes it so much more fun it's so yeah. fun to think about all this stuff. Yeah. But, I'm like multi, multi-pass, like. Right. right. Holy cow. So do you think you'll ever see your friends again? I, yeah, I do. I think on some levels of, I, I do feel like telepathic communication has definitely been like a big key component. And I think they've been very instrumental in navigating certain things in my life, even though our sense of time is very different. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I will see them again. I know. I just know in my heart, I will. I love I that. I just don't know when, you know? Yeah. Oh, that makes me I feel happy. like it won't matter. Yeah. I feel like it won't matter. No, you know? it won't. Just as long as you get to see your friends again. That just like, like my heart just feels like it's just like glowing with happiness thinking of this, but <laughs> well, my friend, let's close out with all. So we've talked a little bit about if you are local to the Denver area, You've got, I'll make sure that you have links to all of the places that you can find Marcella's uh, next week, because this will be coming out on full moon day, which I believe is the third, I don't yeah. know, whatever our full moon yeah. is. And um, how else can people find you? Where can they find your decks? Like what's, oh, and also listen to her freaking podcast. I didn't even talk about how much I love your last episode. It, 
a lot of it was talking about like getting mad. And I was like stomp, stomping down, like getting pissed about something. And I let myself get really mad while I listened to this. And then by the time it was over, I was like, oh, I feel so much better. So listen to her <laughs> podcast, Saved by the Spell. But how can people find all the things that you do and support you and appreciate you? Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, Instagram is like my main kind of social media. It's just at Marcelo Kroll. I do have a TikTok. Um, I am trying to be better about using it. Um, Good for you. I don't the do same the thing. <laughs> My website, which is MarcelloKroll.com. Um, and the podcast Saved by the Spell is on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can find it there. Um I also have, yeah, sign up for my newsletter on my website. If you want to keep kind of current, I don't send out a ton of stuff. I'm actually just, I'm not the best at being consistent sometimes. So please bear with me. Um, that's why I say like, you know, Instagram or the newsletter is the best way to keep track of me. And yeah, I have those classes coming up in Denver. I also have three in-person classes happening in LA at the end of June and July. I will be at open eye crystals. Um, offering cord cutting 101 meditation, a past life healing intro meditation, and a first incarnation meditation. So really excited for those. And um, yeah, the cards so far, you can find uh, Barnes and Noble or online through my publisher, Union Square and Co. Um, if you go to my Instagram, my beacons link in my profile has links to everything. So, and I have online classes through Teachable, which is also, you can get to there through my website. Awesome. Go to the website, people. Sign up for the newsletter. That's always a, always a solid thing to do. Well, my friend, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me. I just adore you. This is just thank so special. You. I'm so glad we got to spend some time. I can't wait to see you. Thank you so Yay, much for everything you do. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. so much for joining me for this episode of magical world let's keep in touch the best way to keep up with me is by signing up for my email list on my website sterlingmoontarot.com that's where you can book appointments for tarot readings spirit contact sessions and more find out about my classes and programs and all sorts of other things i'm also active on the socials you can find me on instagram at the underscore sterling underscore moon and on facebook and youtube at sterling moon tarot in the meantime i wish you well as you find your own ways to make the world more magical <laughs>